Welcome to Youth Talks, brought to you by State of Youth. Hey guys, welcome to this next episode of the Youth Talks. Uh, our guest for today is Javante Francis. Javante is an activist uh, from Beyond Differences, and he also, he's also a global Facebook Youth Fellow. Uh, he works with social isolation, um, and he's also a filmmaker. So he's going to talk to us today about discrimination. And we also have our well-known uh, Youth Board member, Mohammed, to talk to us about the same thing. Thank you guys for being here today. Hello, Javante. How are you today? Pretty good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. So, um, actually, my first question would be, if I'm a complete stranger meeting you for the first time, you know, we're having a coffee. How would you tell me about yourself in two minutes? Um, I'm someone who really loves to get to know who you are. Um, I really want to find out what your passions are and um, what you like to do. How can we connect on a deeper level? Um, I'm someone who really enjoys being outdoors with friends. Um, I guess sometimes I can be a bit quiet, but um, once you get to know me, I'm someone who um, can be quite fun in my opinion. But um, aside from that, I'm really passionate um, about um, you know, making sure that equality is in every community that we're a part of, um, and equity as well. But, but how come you became passionate about that? Like you've said, you really want to learn about what people are passionate about, and you said you're a passionate person. Uh, what are you passionate about, and how did you become passionate about these things? Um, equality is one of the biggest things I'm passionate about, and bridging our differences. And one of the reasons why that has become such an important part of my life is because I feel that um, so oftentimes um, people aren't really asked to share their stories. And if they are, that story can become misconstrued or altered in a way um, or suppressed by the dominant narrative that we are all taught. Um, so when we are asking each other who we are, we want to really give them an opportunity to tell their own story um, and try and eliminate what... Um, society has tried to tell us about ourselves. Where do, where do you live, if you mind me asking? Uh, Oakland, California. In California. And how, and how does that reflect on your in, in the equality uh, idea that you're talking about? Um, Oakland is a pretty diverse um, place, um, city. And I think I'm really fortunate because we, we get to learn about all these backgrounds. Um, there's so many different cultures and we... Um, there's so many different ways we can connect and um, uplift and celebrate those cultures. I, I can I can resonate with with your with the discussion about equality because uh, I'm a Syrian refugee myself. Uh, I fled the country to Lebanon and now I'm in Sweden. And uh, there's I constantly feel that people. Uh, because of how the media has portraying refugees, specifically, for example, Arabic people from Arabic ethnicities, uh, for ages, they've seen them as something um, not necessarily, there's a negative connotation to them. Uh, 
uh, is this something that, for example, exists in your community, in your state, I guess in the U.S.? Because we hear a lot of news about uh, discrimination, problems uh, driven by discrimination in the U.S. How do you tackle these things? How do you, what are your thoughts about them? Um, I think recently we've seen some of the biggest forms, um, especially these past this past year. But um, the way I choose to tackle them is to seek healing. Um, healing isn't something that necessarily um, occurs. It's something that we have to um, want within ourselves. Um, and for me, that healing is through activism, the way I act. Um, so if I can utilize the knowledge that I have and engulf it with love and understanding, I like to think that I've just created a superpower because I'm able to spread that with um, those that I love and also people I've never met before. Um, and if I and when I choose to place myself into an element of compassion, anything that's thwarted my way, um, I think would fail. And especially if we share that compassion as a collective, we there's nothing that really can come against, come against us because we're able to um, understand each other and go against all that has been said. I've, I've read somewhere that you're a filmmaker. And you use filmmaking to tell your stories and to, and to, to kind of make sense, maybe, of the world. Uh, could you tell me more about your filmmaking journey? Uh, yeah, I recently I began making films around my junior year, but I've always kind of known that I wanted to um, go into filmmaking. But um, through my films, I like to share different stories. Um, as I said, it's really important that we understand um, the different perspectives, um, especially of people of color. Um, I think once through filmmaking, I, I tried to, um, as I said, give different perspectives and some of the films that I've made um, speak to um, social isolation specifically um, and how it affected me and also my community um, because it's something that isn't necessarily understood. Um, in other films that I've made, we've talked about um, suicide and how pressuring it can be in, at home um, from parents and so many other things. But filmmaking is a way for me to really express myself and um, the change I want within the world. Odd question. Could you name me what's like your three most favorite go, go to movies? Um, for some reason, I really like Titanic. That would have to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also really like uh, the Scream series. I wouldn't say they're my top. Well, Scream 1 is my top one, but I don't only have top two right now. I don't really know okay. I mean, I very much like uh, romantic tragedies as well. So the Titanic is definitely up top. <laughs> um, one of my favorite book is a John Green one called Looking for Alaska. I don't know if you, you, you for sure know who John Green is. Uh, he's like, he, he writes like love tragedy books. And it's, it's one of my favorite books. Uh, but you, you touched, you touch upon the, uh, the, the self-isolation. For someone who doesn't really like, I, I haven't been, to be honest, it's one of the first time that I, uh, that, that I hear about, uh, about it, like social isolation. Uh, could you more explain to me what is, what is that? Um, well, there's a lot of people really don't understand what it is. And um, I think what Beyond Differences does, which is the organization I work with, um, our goal is to create a culture of belonging for everyone. Um, and this also ties into discrimination and storytelling. Um, oftentimes people are judged for who they are and what they look like. And that can lead to them being socially isolated. So primarily I work with middle school students and what that looks like for them is just um, kind of just 
barring themselves from their social life, um, whether that be friends, um, staying home or school. I think social isolation is, sorry, I'm asking, but um, social isolation is just practically not being involved in the day-to-day life. You're not really understood by others because of you know differences practically. What usually causes self-isolation? Um, misunderstanding, not really understanding others um, and, some, and even not understanding yourself. Sometimes we, we feel that we have to be a certain way in certain communities. And if we aren't, we, we shut ourselves down and um, not, we won't involve ourselves in certain situations. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm thinking like, um, like social, like social isolation is, um, I'm a very social person. I, I would be, I would lie to you if I told you I haven't experienced uh, social isolation. But it mainly to me, and maybe, and, and tell me if you agree, it was mainly caused by um, by the fact that people had certain assumptions about me without them knowing me in the first place. And uh, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, that's also a major cause of self-isolation. Um, as I said, misunderstanding, like people um, may not really know who you are and you may come off something completely different and they wouldn't know that they um it's all face value whatever they think um they'll use that and run with it you know they'll try and create stories about you that aren't necessarily true um without even getting to know you and then that and suddenly that becomes who you are your personality how do you reclaim this because i i like to use the word reclaim how do you reclaim your identity how do you to fight those assumptions? Um, you really have to make an effort within yourself to love who you are um, and attempt to bridge those differences. Um, really reach out there and connect with others who, yeah, that's a difficult question, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you would How have do to... you do it? How did you do it? Or for me, I, I put myself out there um, or beyond differences. I actually was able to find things that um, I were passionate about and one of them being social isolation or bridging differences. I think when we bridge those differences, we have a better understanding of self and others. Um, and for me, that meant going out and speaking up for others. There are so many instances where I felt helpless because I didn't understand uh, myself or how to help others. Um, and through beyond differences, I was able to um, gain the knowledge and skills necessary to to really, I guess, go out and understand myself and others. You you've you've told me that, for example, for certain instances, you felt helpless. Um, could you, if you don't mind sharing, did you could you uh, describe or tell me what, what like? One of those instances? Um, I had a few friends who didn't, who were having a difficult time. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the pressure, um, peer pressure, um, the school community. They, they felt um, that they couldn't be who they were um, and it led them to do harf- harmful things to themselves. And I 
would try my best to talk to them and understand their situation. But of course I can only go so far um, because if you are someone in a situation where you're, you yourself are also trying to fit in with everyone else, but you also have a friend who's, who's already reached a point where they no longer want to try anymore um, and they'd rather not be here um, than be themselves. I think it really, that really pushed me to want to make a change within myself and also make a change within my community. And I had to, um, had to wake up and really push myself to go find those resources. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think most people uh, go through certain instances where they feel that they need help, but at the same time, they need to provide help. Uh, like, a lot of times as an as an activist and I think uh, Joanne did like you probably feel that as well as an activist as well you're you're constantly trying to help that sometimes you forget or sometimes when you actually need help you find yourself helpless you find yourself that um, because you've been for you've been not building relationships you've been as you said social isolating yourself into this idea that I'm the one who gives and you've been not building relationships that really helps you take, in a sense. Um, but when 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 did when did when because I know that uh, like I've heard that you've been doing this work for a while now. So when did the whole idea of you working in social isolation started? When your activism journey started? Um, I would say around eighth grade. Um, I really had the support from friends um, during that time. So in the way that I really step up, stepped up was through student council because they actually gave me a platform where I could uh, speak within my school community and um, spread these messages of love and positivity um, and encourage bridging differences and understanding one another. And what made you keep going? Because to be honest, I'm like, I cannot talk about um, these things easily. I cannot talk with people easily. People generally don't deal well with feelings. They don't react well with feelings. How did yeah. you do it? Um, I didn't see any change. Um, we see these little little movements um, towards the future, but they're nothing that can really take effect. Um, so me not seeing the seeing the reality that I wanted to see. Um, that really motivated me, even though that public speaking isn't necessarily um, the first thing that I want to do, because I, at times I, it's nerve wracking because you're not sure if um, your message will get across. But um, if you keep in mind the goal you're trying to reach, um, I think it would really, you know, keep that motivation and energy going, which it did for me. You live in the US, I've never been there. I'm not sure if I want to go there. <laughs> because, uh, and you've mentioned that in your communities and especially in people in person of color, they might be forced to uh, social isolate themselves because of certain, uh, let's, to be, let's, let's say it clearly, because of the system, uh, because of certain systems that are put in place to do so. How did these, how uh, the fact that you are a person of color has helped you to do what you did and maybe start, like took you back from doing what you did or trying like stopped you from doing what you did? Um, there's a dominant narrative that we're all taught um, and we're not really, we're not necessarily in control of that narrative. 
but um, we are in control of our own experiences and our personal stories. Um, and oftentimes when we try to get those stories out and share those experiences, it can be, it can be hard. Um, and sometimes you just want to, you know, to stop and give up and just let everything go out how it is. And at one point that happened to me, I began to succumb to the stereotypes and expectations of the typical black male in America, um, because I had lost myself in a sense. And as you said, I was giving and giving and giving, but I wasn't really necessarily taking time to work for myself as well. Um, but those narratives, they can be pressuring. And as I said, um, I saw how it was still affecting my community. And I think that we're all connected um, by that one shared experience. So I had to first take that time for myself to understand what I'm really trying to do and really understand um, myself. And then I guess once I found that platform, the Reunderfences in my school and even Facebook, I um, jumped on the opportunity to kind of attempt to dissipate what everything was being said. Yeah, I always I'd like to think of uh, of this. You've mentioned like what is the like what is expecting from you as a stereotypical black man in America. I feel like uh, there's always these. I like to call them stamps, like that are like uh, forced on you since you were born. Like you, they stamp your forehead as like this is what like this is what a refugee should look like. This is what a Syrian should look like. This is what an Arab should be like. And you're in a constant struggle of trying to take those stamps away. But really, like, no matter how hard your work, those stamps will be there. Um, so so that's, that's the process we're talking about. That's the process of reclaiming them rather than just trying to fight them. Because whether you like it or not, you're still a person of color in America. People will still perceive you in a certain way. But instead, you go and you present yourself as that. Okay. Uh, but how does the how does like the school you said you work in elementary schools how does schools help you we hear a lot about schools in the u.s about the discrimination about uh, the depression there's been multiple series on netflix about depression and all that stuff i don't like to watch because i feel they don't depict the real picture could you could you paint me the picture of schools school environment yeah we're in the classroom during our most formative years so whatever we're taught it's usually from a Eurocentric point of view. So these stories of um, our cultures aren't being told accurately. Um, so we're not leaving the classroom with a fulfilling, like feeling fulfilled. Um, we're rather feeling um, like we're not enough. Um, that what happened to us is forever stained, will forever stain us. Um, and so when we're in these communities and you have, we're in, sorry, when we're in classrooms and you have teachers talking about um, all of these acts that happened long ago um it's they're kind of saying that's the only thing about us in a sense in my opinion um and along with that we also have peer pressure you know what am i going to wear is this like up to standard or whatever but um so it's it's really pressuring and then students begin to feel that they have to they either aren't going to be able to succeed because of their past um or because of the color of their skin or because they're not like I said, wearing the same thing as the most popular kid in school. So a lot of, a lot of factors play a role in um, how a student can feel and um, also how it leads to self-isolation. If I tell you, 
uh, words, maybe, and you could tell me how do you feel about them? How do you reflect on them? Uh, since the topic of today's uh, episode is discrimination. So let's start with that word, discrimination. What does it mean to you? Um, you know, it's all stems from preconceived notions, you know, misunderstanding. You don't really, we're making these judgments of people I mean, treating them a certain way because of some tired um, belief from years ago. Um, and it's being carried out through generations and it's really something that many people just accept, in my opinion, um, which is why I think it's important that we continue to, you know, understand ourselves and remember who we are, um, and also try and uplift others within our community as well in that process. In the last, like, in the last uh, two years, let's say, there's been... Um, uh, a, a big movement in the U.S. in regards to discrimination, the Black Lives Matter, and it became actually a global movement. When I when I first started following the news, uh, I don't know if you know much about the history of Syria, but the reason why most people have fled Syria was because of a revolution that demanded their basic rights to be treated like um, like um, citizens, basically in their own country. Um, I'm not making comparison, but that's how that movement resonated with me. Of course, the, the revolution in Syria was heavily uh, fought against with bombs, with aircrafts, with everything. But for some reason, when I start, uh, when I start feeling, uh, when I start reading and, and, sh and watching the rise of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement in the U.S., it's, it resonated with me. I felt a spirit of our revolution existed. I felt that, as you said, I've said like I came like this. Is, me isolating my personal experience in the Syrian revolution has finally. I've felt like maybe I belong to it in a sense. Uh, it resonated a lot. The 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 struggle for someone's um, really dignity in a sense, but at the same time, it's the the movement is a very has a very specific uh, reason. It has to end the the systems that have been put in place that treats. Uh, humans as not human in the first place. What is your relationship with like the last two or three years? How did this change? Because I, because I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I'm not well educated. You could educate me about it. How did this change your experiences with discrimination, with prejudice, the rise of the movement, the really, the heat, how did it change your personal experiences? Um, it only added to my motivation just seeing so many communities um, come in support of you know one movement was really encouraging and inspiring and it um really plays into the fact that once communities come together and spread love and compassion that um anything can change um, i know a lot hasn't changed but i think um what this movement is conveying is that um everything that this movement has been conveying um it speaks to our influence on every aspect of society um like our culture, the culture, our cultures um, is, is greater than what we are taught in our history class, in a sense. Uh, did you feel belonging ever in your life? Did you feel like you belong somewhere? Um, yes, but that's something that I had to find um, for some, like I, when I was younger, it's, um, race played a huge role in how I felt about myself and um, the level of strength I had. 
Um, but until that I, but until I recognized that, um, I didn't feel like I belonged. But now, um, as I found people who I can connect with and I understand myself and I recognize the beauty and power within my culture, I definitely feel like I belong, um, especially amongst my peers and who fight mm -hmm. with me. Let's talk more practical. I think what we've been talking about now, it's, it's, it's very heavy. Um, so how, how you've been advocate, advocating for the work you do? You're, you're a public speaker as well. Could you tell me about uh, your public speaking journey, maybe a bit? Um, yeah, I didn't really start public speaking until my freshman year of high school. Um, and even then I was still a bit um, nervous about it because it's something that, you know, it's, you're really thinking in your head is, is my message trying to get across is what I'm saying gonna make sense? Am I able to connect with anyone on a personal level? Um, but as of now, after you know about five years of doing it, I I feel that no matter what I say, um, there's always going to be someone who connects with the message, um, whether it just be one person. Um, but it's important that you believe in your message, and um, what's well, important for me to believe in my message because if I don't believe in it, I'm not I don't leave with a feeling of um, achievement, I guess. But it took me a while to really understand that the work that I do and how I'm doing it is important and essential to our society today, um, because there's many students who um, wish there were, they were in a classroom with someone else teaching them about equality and compassion and sharing their stories and knowing that they're not the only ones who feel that way. Um, so it took me a while um, to really understand that what I'm doing is something that is loved by many. Javant, you work with a really um, heavy topic. You know, you, you work with equality, you work with self-isolation, with the feeling of belonging. Um, those are feelings, you know, we work with feelings. With, so you always have to put yourself out there. When you don't have to put yourself out there, when you're just Javante who's studying now, you know, who's having fun, what, how, how, like, what do you do? You know, what do you do to just take a break of all this? You know, when you, a lot of us activists, we reach a level of burnout. It's like, I can't, I can't handle this. Like, this is too much. God damn, this is too much. So how, what do you do when you reach that level? Um, like I said, we, you know, we give and give and give. And some, it's very easy to lose yourself. So um, when I finally do have that burnout or I finally do have a chance to take a break, I think it's important for me to focus on um, my mental health, my well-being, um, and just take time to be, um, to just rest, whether that be um, breathing in the fresh air or just reading a book or, you know, just something basic as sleeping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's something that um, really keeps me close to myself in a sense, just relaxing. There's nothing special that I really do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just enjoy the break mostly. That's, that's, but you must, are, are you, are you in university now? I am. Yeah. I am. Okay. Which, 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 which program were you studying? Um, I'm majoring in cinema. And cinema. Okay. Okay. Tell me about your movies. I also read that you've done a couple movies. Could you tell me about them? Um, the names, yeah. like what are they about? The most recent one I've done is Finding My Voice. Um, that one was really about um, how 
like in the title, how someone found their voice and what and how they use it. Um, I decided to do that because it took me a while, um, as I've stated earlier, it took me a while to really understand the power within my voice and um, how effective it can be once I decide to use it. Um, and it just gives different points of view um, on how your voice can be through anything such as art, um, teaching, um, and so many other aspects. Um, another one that I've made is um, about my story and social isolation and how it affected me um, and how I dream beyond differences. Um, and I've made another one, I think it's called Expectations. Um, and that one's really about, um, I guess, suicide and how pressuring it can be for a student at home. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you believe like suicide just come, um, mental health issues just happen, but sometimes there's like, it just really goes deeper into how um, mental health issues can play a role in your day-to-day -day life. Do you think the way as, as, as a filmmaker and as an activist, do you think the way media has been uh, depicting the issues, the mental health issues specifically is correct? Like, like a lot of like hit shows, for example, uh, like certain reasons why and all these all these hit shows that are about like focus about mental health. Do you think in any certain they depicted it correctly? No, I don't. I feel um, the media um, focuses on the bare minimum or um, a completely altered version of what actually um, is going on, which is why I think um, filmmakers of our generation are really um, utilizing the power within filmmaking to tell accurate stories and um, express how they really feel and what they really go through. What do you think the effect of this uh, wrong uh, representation of these issues? Um, it gives, it provides misinformation and you have people believing in and it's certain, expecting certain things to happen, but it's not necessarily how that works. Um, so, you know, when we, when you're searching for resources, um, you don't really know what to do because what you've been taught is not exactly what you should be searching for in a sense, I guess. As a person who, as, as you've mentioned before, personally experienced this struggle and you watch this misrepresentation, how does that impact you personally as a um, person? When black people represented in the media, um, there's always some sort of tagline under it, you know, and it's not, it's completely unnecessary. And um, for me, we have to carry that tagline throughout our entire life. You know, um, that's how we're seen. And we have to, and every day we leave our house, we have to, you know, fight against that. We have to make sure that we're showing some sort of sign that says that we're, we're not this way. I'm actually this mm -hmm. way, you know, fighting to be, stay true to yourself, um, just so others don't see you in a way that has been written. As I would, I would say also like, uh, while, while you're talking, I was thinking also that there is very important thing about uh, the communities. Um, as, for example, the community where I come from, which is talking about mental health feels like a luxury, you know, or they, you've been taught, you've been talking about what we've been taught. I've been taught that talking about mental health is a luxury. I don't, because people are like, oh, you're 
you're a refugee, you know? Why, why the heck would you talk about? There's a million other problems, you know? Um, excuse me if the question might sound rude, but I would assume you might have similar experiences considering the US. You could, people would be like, why are you talking about mental health? There's other, there's other, uh, there's a lot of other problems that uh, people of color face, like lower wage, like being killed by the police and all this. So why do you choose to talk about this? Um, because mental health stems from all those problems that we experience. Um, it's become such a taboo topic in many communities of color, um, specifically the black community. Um, we've experienced, we've had to build, we have to gain so much strength and resilience against all the other injustices we face. It's why um, we don't want to be perceived as having another deficit. Um, so when we talk about mental health um, and trying to find resources, it's um, kind of looked down upon because it's saying that we're weak or something. But I, the reason why I choose to talk about it is because it's extremely important to take care of self um, and understand that talking about mental health or uh, seeking help um, for mental health issues um, is actually a sign of strength and bravery. Yeah. I will maybe end with this question. I don't know, maybe you'll see you'll say something interesting. I'll have more questions. That's what usually happens. But uh, you've, you've did your journey, you've did your public speaking, you did your films, you worked with schools and um, what do you think needs to be, what is the conversation that needs to be, um, that we need to be having with you as a person, as an activist, as a young person, of course, as an activist and as a person of color in, in the US? What the conversation that we need to be having in order to really highlight the issue of discrimination? Um. I think it all begins, I think we have to come together first as a community because right now we're so segregated in a sense. Um, and there's no way that we can really have a conversation that will benefit us all. Um, but once we do that, I think we really need to talk about how we can really rewrite the narrative that has been put out about us. Um, how can we do that? How can we get our stories, our experiences to um, outplay, overpower what has been taught in so many other communities? Where do people find your movies? That's, that's also a question because I would like to watch your movies. Where do people find your movies? Um, on my website. I think it's Javante. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that would be great. Well, I... I, that's all the questions that I have. It's very nice to meet you, Javante. Um, I really hope you have a great day and a great life. And hopefully we meet some next time and I learn more about you and we do relax and chill and do some chill time and not talk about heavy things. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Yeah.